0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Coastal Podcast. I'm Pastor Lucas Granger and want to say thank you for listening in. May this podcast bring some light to your world today. Enjoy, grace, and peace. Jeremiah 6, we're standing at the crossroads. It says, look around and ask for the old godly ways, the ancient paths, the eternal ways, and walk in those that there might be rest For your soul. And so, if you've been with us over these last four weeks, we've been kind of orienting ourselves around this idea what are these paths that have been around since Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Jeremiah that they all walked and Jesus walked and Peter walked and paths that if we get on these certain paths, we can make it the distance, right? We could finish this life well. Paths that transcend culture. That transcend popularity, that transcend uh, politics, that transcend skinny jeans. Come on, somebody. All of these things that we deal with, it's bigger than that. It's bigger than the most popular boy band right now. Whatever it is, it's bigger than the stock market. And if you walk these paths, the scripture says there'll be rest for your soul. So this morning, we're actually gonna start walking a little bit. Uh, path number one. Are you ready? ready. Come on, are you ready? Luis is the only one ready. Somebody, I know we did the acoustic set and it was quiet in the house, but can we just make a little bit of noise for a minute? Are we ready? Yeah. Thank you. All right. Now no more talking. That's it. That's we're gonna talk about prayer this morning. Prayer, this path that we could walk. Uh, this communion with God, this walking and talking and just being with Jesus. Uh, which begs a couple questions. Number one, why is prayer so hard? If it's that simple, if it's just this communion with God, this walking and this talking and this being with Jesus, why do we find it so difficult? Huh? Why is it? Uh, I've talked to so many pastors, and we, when we get around uh, a group of guys, oftentimes we'll talk about our struggles, and this is one of the big things that comes up. So it's like, I'm just struggling with prayer. I'm struggling with prayer, and I'll, I'll talk to so many people that this is just, it's a really hard one, and maybe you're in the room, and you're just like, Lucas, like, what are you talking about? It's, it's so easy. I get, I get into the prayer closet, and I just shut the door. And I just think it's going to be five minutes, but I spend a whole hour, two hours, and just in the presence of Jesus, and it's so easy. Well, congratulations. But for the rest of us that go into the prayer closet and start organizing the shoes and color-coding our shirts, like, oh, reds and blues and long sleeves and short sleeves, and we think it's been an hour and it's been five minutes. For the rest of us, we need some help. Come on, is there anybody that just needs some help? When it comes to prayer, I know I need some help. And and the next thing I want to say is not not the correct way of saying it in today's society and in culture, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, I have, and this is just uh, observation, so strict observation that I've noticed through the years when it comes to the topic of prayer, is oftentimes I I have seen that women have a better grasp on this than men do. Often, come on. Y'all do. It just seems like, men. You know, women have a better grasp on it than men. And men, for the most part, I have seen through the years struggle uh, with prayer and leading their family in prayer. And I just thought, God, you know, why is it? And I think maybe there's a part of, because when we talk about prayer, it just doesn't feel manly enough, right? It kind of feels like, hey, I'm the dude. I grill. I mow the grass. I break stuff. I chop things. I have a blade on a mower that spins at 4,000 RPMs. And I just do this, and, I, I, and this is who I am. And so we talk about prayer. It's like, oh, we go real silent. We go real quiet. And I thought it's kind of funny because if you look at a lot of these videos on the Internet that, um, you know, people that do insanely stupid stuff, like 80% of them are men. <laughs> it's like some dude that's like, Ooh, watch this, hold my beer, you know, and then you just know the ambulance is gonna get called. It's always like, there's, there's women in there, but it's like, for some reason, like, we're real quick to just like do something with our bodies. And like, but when it comes to our spirit, there's this kind of, ooh, I don't know if I could get vulnerable in that area. I don't know if I could let that out. I don't know, there's a certain intimidation that can come with prayer sometimes. There's a vulnerability to it that we don't know if we're ready to give. Um, and there's this in- intimidation that, man, what if I don't do it right? Um, my wife, she does this exercise program on the TV called Beachbody. Anybody? Yeah. few people know about Beachbody? Yeah, well, there's, it's, it's the worst thing ever invented. Uh, <laughs> she loves it. And she gets there, and for years it's Lucas, will you please work out Beach Body with me? Will you please no, I don't want to work out Beach Body, because it's gonna be her and this other little 90-pound girl named Autumn that's just gonna be like, you could do it, you could go, go, go. <laughs> and I'm just like, that's not my style. I wanna punch a punching bag or something, you know? But she's she's just week after week, year after year, honestly, this has been going on. Lucas, will you work out some beach body with me? And um, I'm only telling this story because she's in kids' church today. And if you repeat it to her, I will know. But the real reason why I keep saying no to working out with my wife with Beachbody is because the truth is I'm intimidated. The truth is I don't think I could keep up with 90-pound Autumn. Because she's going and she's working it and they're doing it, and I don't think I could keep up with my wife. And then I'm like, if I work out with you, I'm gonna be laying on the ground dying, and you're just gonna be like, come on, honey. And I'm like, all of my man cards are just gonna be gone because I can't keep. And that's the reality because there's just a certain intimidation. And so I've tried lately to overcome it. I've tried to work out with her, and I've just accepted the fact that she can outdo me in beachbody, and like by a long shot. Um, but there's a certain vulnerability that comes with that of just saying, you're stronger than me in this area. And I I need some help. I need some help catching up, and then she has to help me, and I have to get over that intimidation. And prayer works the same way. You want to learn how to pray? Pray. And the only way to get better at it, men and women, all of us, is to get over that intimidation that we have about it and make ourselves vulnerable and to just do it, to just do it. To be people that we lead our homes in prayer. I guarantee you, you're having fights now that if we learn to pray, those fights will minimize. If you've been married for longer than like five minutes, uh, you'll, you'll know that th- there's, there's, there's some fights, but then there's the fights. There's, there's one or two fights that you'll have with your spouse that it's the same fight seven years later. Come on, somebody, don't act like you don't know what I'm talking about. You've been married for 22 years, but you really have two fights that you have about every three or four months. I'm the only one in the house. You're lying up in church, right? So you have these fights. And I remember we were having the fight, with me and my wife, and it's usually this communication of like, well, I said this, but what I heard was this, and that's not what I meant. And it usually ends with some version of Okay, baby, I'll just try harder. But you know when you say that in the back of your mind, well, in six months from now, we're going to have the same fight again, right? And so we had this fight, and we did it, and I said the words, baby, you know, I promise I'll try better. I'll try to, you know, I make my living communicating, but I can't, you know, communicate to you, girl, but I will try harder. But I got to this point where I said, listen, I'm going to, I've really been trying It's just not working, what I'm saying and what you're hearing and this communication that we're having. And then I said these words. I said, I don't know what to do, but just pray. And when I said those words, it was so convicting to my heart. Because in my heart, the way I was saying was like, this is a Hail Mary. Like, I don't know what else to do. I've tried everything I could do. But let's just pray. Pray. And it was like, ding, ding, ding. Why didn't we do that first? Why didn't we start off with, hey, I'm not sure what to do, but let's pray. I'm not sure how to be the man that you want me to be. I'm not sure how to be uh, the employee, the spouse, the person, the friend that you need. But man, If we start this thing off in prayer, if we could just get vulnerable and honest, I know that, listen, I can't do it. But he can. But he can. See, you will never find the it that you're looking for, that that, that place of peace, and that place of joy, that place of hope, unless you get vulnerable. Because God doesn't do fake prayers. Like, he sees your heart. You know who was really good at the fake prayers? The Pharisees. They love to stand on street corners and they pray all these eloquent words and people were like, oh, these are so good. And Jesus was like, Nope. Give me the person that's just honorable and just vulnerable and just like, just this is how I'm feeling. I believe. Help my unbelief. I can work with that. Give me the wife. Give me the husband that'll just that'll be vulnerable and show their spouse, listen, I, I, I want something more. Let's. Pray, why is it so hard? Can it be natural? Can it be a natural rhythm of our life? Can we find ourselves at a place where we're praying from a place of love and not from a place of guilt? From a place, well, I know I should pray more. No, 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 I want to pray more. What if prayer was a delight, like the psalmist says over and over again? So are you ready? Let me give you a few things about prayer. Number one, here we go. Prayer is spiritual. Thank you. And I was mind-blowing. Never thought about that. Prayer is spiritual. Let me tell you what I mean by that. We are not, we are not these fleshly beings that have a spirit like we've been taught. The fact is, you are a spiritual being that has a fleshly body. And there's a big difference there. Because if you think that all that there is is this body, you're missing out. No, no, no. The core of you is spirit. See, Adam was just laying there, nothing, until God breathed into him. And and, and when we leave this body, our spirits will be very much alive. To be absent with his body is to be present with the Lord. So even after all of this body and all this flesh is done, you are still you. There is still spirit. And this body will pass away. Come on, somebody. That's some good news. You ain't got to worry about calories no more. <laughs> you ain't got to worry about all those things. I got some back pain going on right now. That ain't going to be a problem. So there, there, you, you, you are spirit and this body is temporary. But we, we come to think that all that there is is this body. Let's look to the book of 2 Kings chapter 6. 2 Kings chapter 6. Some of it is going to be on the screen, but I'm going to actually read a little bit more than what I put in there today. There's this moment where um, the king of Aram is fighting against Israel, and everything he's doing to fight against Israel is just coming to none. Like, what's going on? All of my plans, they're not working. Why is it not working? So he gets really mad, and 2 Kings chapter 6, beginning with verse 11, says this. The king of Aram became very upset over this He called his officers together, and he demanded, Which of you is the traitor? Who has been informing the king of Israel of my plans? It's not us. My lord, the king, one of the officers replied. It's Elijah, the prophet of Israel. He tells the king of Israel, Even the words that you speak in the privacy of your bedroom. Listen, go and find out where he is, the king commanded, so I could send troops to seize him, which is a bad plan. Because if he already knows the words that you speak in your bedroom, you just said the plan. He already knows it ain't going to work. Go and find out where he is, the king commanded, so I could send troops to seize him. And the report came back. Elijah is at Dothan. So one night, the king of Aram sent a great army with many chariots and horses to surround the city. When the servants of the man of God got up early the next morning and went outside... There were these troops and horses and chariots everywhere. Oh, sir, what are we going to do now? We're surrounded. The young man cried to Elijah, and to which Elijah, while sipping his morning coffee, said this, don't be afraid, for there are more on our side than there is theirs. To which you could just kind of see the servant. One, two... Elijah, your math doesn't add up. Then Elijah prayed, O Lord, open the eyes and let him see. The Lord opened the young man's eyes, and when he looked up, he saw the hillside all around Elijah was filled with horses and chariots of fire. And as the Armenian army advanced towards them, so there's this moment where an army is advancing toward them, surely they're going to die. Elijah does this, he prays. This is the second prayer. Oh, Lord, please make them blind, so that the Lord struck them with blindness, as Elijah had asked. Then Elijah went out and told them, you have come the wrong way. This isn't the right city. Follow me, and I'll take you to the man that you're looking for. And he led them to Samaria. And soon, as he had entered Samaria, Elijah prayed again the third prayer. Oh, Lord, Now open their eyes and let them see. So the Lord opened their eyes and they discovered that they were in the middle of Samaria. They asked, hey, should we kill them? No, no, no. Let them go back. So there's this moment and three different particular prayers. All three prayers are prayers for vision. Prayers for vision. To either open their eyes, to close their eyes, and it's interesting because I think Prayer does just that. Prayer gives us vision. There's things that God will open our eyes to in prayer that you will never see without it. Until you enter into prayer, you are, there's going to be some things that are happening that you will never see unless the Lord reveals it to you. Otherwise, we'll continue just to look in the natural and look at all of these things that are around us and and these armies that are coming our way and how we might be surrounded. And it's interesting that multiple times in the New Testament, Jesus prays this prayer over his people that they would have eyes to see, that they would have ears to hear. There's a communion that we could have with God that will cause you to see things as God sees them and not just as the world sees them. And the reality is there's far more things going on in the spirit than there is the natural. Which, I don't know, I could kind of even amend that statement. Because even that's kind of a push-pull. Because think about it for a moment. Even in the natural right now, we're looking around and there's chairs and there's people and there's lights and there's roofs and there's floors and all these things. But do you realize there's all of these things that you can't see but you've accepted as reality? There's this thing called Gravity right? And oxygen, and electromagnetism, and infrared light, and sound waves. And if we were to blow a dog whistle, you would be like, what is he doing? I can't hear a thing. And yet all of these things that we can't see and we can't hear, and yet we accept as this is part of, well, the natural, which begs the question, if we accepted all of that that's all around us all of the time, why do we have a hard time thinking that there's something more to this life? when even science itself shows us there's all of these things that are happening, you realize that all of these senses that we have, our eyes, our taste buds, our, our senses, our, our ears, its touch, taste, smell, see, it's all built within a certain spectrum. So, so science will show you that like your, your eyes can only see light within a certain spectrum. Your ears can only hear sound within a certain range. So once that gets below about 20 hertz, a note gets so low that you can't hear it. And once it gets above 20,000, it gets so high that you can't hear it. And there's literally all of this sound all around us right now that you can't hear. And it's not just sound, it's also your eyes. Your eyes are seen within this certain light spectrum. And that's how we determine and we see all of these colors and we look up into the sky and we see a rainbow and it looks like there's these different shades, but there's all of these shades of color that you've never seen before. And it's there. It's like, and we accept that, we understand that, that's science, and that's just in the natural. Imagine all of these things, colors you've never seen, sounds you've never heard, tastes you've never tasted. Which is funny because oftentimes in the scriptures you find some of this imagery where it'll talk about worship being a fragrance. Worship being a smell. Could you just kind of, well, what did, how was worship today? It smelled good. Right? Which blows our mind, but to God it's like, that's a sweet fragrance. Mm. Remember Willy Wonka? Where you could like taste the wallpaper. And like, oh, but it's a little bit of that. A little bit of it. All these things, all these sounds, all these colors. Did you know? There's three things in the natural that could produce every sound on the spectrum, and that's water, wind, and fire. So you could drop a special microphone into uh, Niagara Falls at the bottom of it, and that microphone will hear the lowest note of that water crashing. It'll also pick up the highest note. Wind will blow through, and as that wind goes through, wind can produce the lowest sound. It can produce the highest sound. Fire, special microphone, put it up to a fire as it's crackling. The lowest note, the highest note. It's interesting that all of these things oftentimes in the Scripture is ways in which we describe the Holy Spirit. In Acts 2, you find them in this upper room, and what are they doing? They're praying together, and as they're praying together, something will like a rushing wind, something like tongues of fire. In other words, this sound, this light, this thing, it hit the room, and it's, but it's more than that. It's everything in our senses. It's everything that we can think of. His eyes, his eyes are like flames of fire. I wish I could describe to you the colors, the sea, it's like a sea of glass. Like, I wish I could see because there's colors that you've never seen before. All of this happening because it's very much well spiritual and sometimes the Lord opens our eyes and we begin to pray. We begin to see things just like this young servant sees things. And the reality is in the spirit there's a war going on. There's spiritual warfare happening all the time. And here's the thing. The enemy has taken on new tactics. Some of us think about spiritual warfare and we think about you know the head spinning around and you know poltergeists or whatever and somebody throwing up and like that's our idea of like oh demonic possession like the enemy like uses way more subtle tactics than that you know what he he, like, he uses like this and he uses somebody right down the road and he uses highway 17 and he uses that like button on facebook And you think I'm playing, but like, oh, this this young girl. Oh, how many likes did I get? Oh, I didn't get enough likes, and now all of a sudden, do people like me? And and all of a sudden, now my identity is being formed through how many people think I'm cool through social media. And this is spiritual warfare. It's attacking people's identity and people's thoughts of who Jesus says they are. See, anything, see, Jesus just wants to walk with us and talk with us and commune with us. Satan wants to do everything he can to keep that from happening by any means necessary. Galatians 5 says this, For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. Like, In other words, part of the war that's going on is the war inside of you. The spirit and the flesh are at war because my flesh wants all these things but my spirit wants something else. My spirit wants to move with God but my flesh just wants to do this other thing and even the possible other things that I want to do that I don't do and things I do, don't do that I need to do and all these things. So there's this war that's happening even inside of me. And it's happening and, I, and I'm recognizing it. But it says this, listen, they conflict with each other as they do. This is why you can't do whatever you want. In other words, like, well, I just felt like, isn't a good excuse because you don't know what you felt like. All you can see is like this guy, there's an army surrounding us and if you only go by your feelings, you're gonna end up hurting yourself. Oh, I, just, I just felt like, I just, I just feel like, Well, I just feel like eating a double quarter pounder with cheese every day. The outworking isn't good. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Our flesh wants to wage war against your spirit, all within the same body. And then some of us be like, well, you know, God knows my heart. That's the problem. God knows my heart. Like Jeremiah tells us, yeah, the heart is deceitfully wicked above all things. Yeah, I know my heart. And it's this flesh and the spirit that rage against and there's just so much pride and arrogance and deceit and I don't want to do the beach body workout and I make an excuse but there's really something else going on on the inside see it's not just the the spiritual part it's also the natural part that keeps us from prayer of what we know See, we limit ourselves by the things that we tell ourselves. Well, this is just the truth. This is just the reality. We're surrounded on every side. This is how it looks. There's no other way. And we build this world. We build this theology. We build this worldview that says this is what it is. And it doesn't make it so. It's just the story that we're most comfortable with. Because it makes it where we could sleep at night. Have you ever heard that, you know, what you don't know can't hurt you? Yeah, it can. Oh, absolutely it can. But there's also a flip side to that. What you do know can hurt you too. Especially those things that you do know, Mark Twain says it like this, those things that you do know that just ain't so. Certain things that you've accepted and accounted that, hey, this is just the way it is. What if we all lived our lives like this servant? That this is all I see and all I see is I'm surrounded. But when we are people of prayer, we begin to see things from God's point of view. It begins to break down some of the lies that we've told ourselves. For him, this lie was that they were surrounded. What's your lie? You're not smart enough? You're too young? You're too old? You don't have this? You don't have enough money? You don't have, what are the lies that you keep telling yourself that you have believed that just ain't so? We need vision, and prayer does that. It gives us a vision of what it could be and should be, and we could begin to paint our world with colors that are beyond this world? Why would we want to just live such a dull life with such flavorless characters when we could enter into prayer and all of a sudden, oh, God, there's things happening that you wanna reveal to me that I begin to smell the fragrance of heaven and of worship. And of the people that are around me. Because the reality is prayer is part of who you are. Which begs the next question. Have we let our disappointments dictate our prayers? Have you let your disappointments dictate your prayers? In other words, there's been things in your life, and there's been struggles, and there's been heartaches, and there's been disappointments, and there's been... Uh, collapses in relationships. There's been collapses in your finances. There have been collapses at work and all of a sudden, well, this is just the way it's always been, and so this is the way it's gonna be. And so you you begin to even pray from a place of defeat. To the point where, kind of like my words earlier, prayer just kind of seems like a Hail Mary. Where we've tried everything else. It's kind of that end play is like there's 15 seconds left on the clock. We're gonna hike the ball. We're just gonna throw it as far as we can. Maybe we're gonna score, but it's not. What if it was the first thing? One more thing about prayer. Why is it so hard? Maybe because you talk too much. Right? Prayer is supposed to be this two-way street. Maybe we just need to slow down and listen enter the silence and the solitude and the surrender of God, I just pause in this moment and listen when you get to the end of yourself. There's this word in the scriptures. It's actually used 74 times. 71 times in the Psalms, three times in the book of Habakkuk. And the word is this. The word is selah. Now what's interesting about this word is uh, theologians and scholars and historians really don't know the full meaning of this word. They can't find it in historic Jewish literature and all these things, but everywhere where it is found is often found in music. So they think that it's a kind of this musical term that, was, that would be uh, said to a pause or a break in the song, a pause or a break in the music, to pause, to wait. Uh, some, some Bible translations even put an interlude. So it's a, it's a, it's a, pause. And and, uh, Alan will tell you, musicians will tell you, uh, one thing about being a good musician, it's not just what you play, it's what you don't play. It's not just the notes that you strum, it's the notes that you don't strum. It's when you let the music breathe. Sometimes the psalmist is writing these songs, and in the middle of the song, his heart's being poured out, and he just says, we need to stop and breathe and allow space for God to talk back we need to unplug the guitars and the drums and pause and wait and just let it breathe sometimes we struggle in prayer because i think god is just like if you'll shut up to leave space for god to just breathe on you to come to your end of yourself and find yourself in the presence of the creator of all things what he speaks is up to him. Sometimes it's correction. Sometimes it's empowerment. Sometimes it's courage. Sometimes it's whatever it may be. But in order for this to happen, you've got to turn down the noise. So oftentimes we're in my house and kids will have the TV blasting or whatever, and Dad and Dad are like, girl, if you want to talk to me, hit pause, turn down the noise, turn down the noise. Oftentimes, Jesus was going off to these secluded places to be by himself. He'd embrace the silence. He'd embrace the desert place. And here's what I come to realize about prayer and silence and solitude. When we learn and when our spirits learn how to embrace that silence for ourselves, we can then take that silence into a noisy world. In other words, I learn how to be at peace and at rest, so therefore whenever I enter the world again and everything's going chaotic, I could bring that peace with me. I could bring that rest with me. I've learned to have rest on the inside, so no matter what's happening on the outside, I bring it with me. Come on, someone. And say, we're trying to like, well, everything's just so chaotic. Well, learn to have some peace in the solitude. Learn to have some peace in the silence. And you'll realize it's not, a Hail Mary at all, God's like, that's part of the plan. That's part of the plan. I'm the God who loves to do the impossible. I'm the God who loves to walk on water. Because here's the thing about prayer. Prayer changes things. And when done right, the thing that it changes the most is you. If you will, stand with me to your feet. I'm going ask Alan to come back up here. When you find yourself in that fight that you've had for the last 20 years, and I don't know what to do, it changes from I don't know what to do to pray to I don't know what to do, but we're going to pray. We're going to pray. I'm going to bring God into this. And you realize it's not the end, but it's actually just the beginning. And when you pray, pray authentically and vulnerably. Vulnerably, and you'll find yourself like Adam before God, naked and unashamed, garden style prayers where you're not trying to impress anybody with any fancy words. It's just you and God, and here's the thing He already loves you. He already loves you. And when you pray together in community, here's the thing you don't have to impress anyone, you don't have to impress me. Can I be honest with you? I'm already impressed by you. I'm already impressed by you, Carl. I'm already impressed by you, Kirk. I'm already impressed by you, Wally. You don't have to have it all together and do all these things and think you have to be the. I'm I'm impressed that you've made it this far. Come on, because you know you. Jesus is too. don't have to impress. And why can I say that? Because here's the thing, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. The power of Jesus Christ in you. Christ, the hope of glory living inside of us in this flesh and the spirit raging this war. And you know what? The spirit can win. It will. Because all of this flesh is just temporary. It's a moment. It's a vapor, it's a blinking of an eye. Is prayer hard? Yeah, but it doesn't have to be. But it does mean getting vulnerable. And when you do, just like this servant, you'll find that your eyes are opened to so much more than it's around you. It'll mean recognizing there's a war going on. And this war often is the war in my own flesh and blood and it reminds us that we're part of an army, that we are part of an army. This communion finds the silence and embraces it. It allows space for God. And at some point, when you start to say la, and listen, and you have eyes to see and ears to hear, Prayer will no longer be your last hope, but your first effort. Prayer is an ancient path. David walked it, and Jeremiah walked it, and Moses, and Abraham, and Jesus. And no matter what culture is doing around us, you can pray. And when you don't know what to pray, the Spirit will help us in our weakness. We don't know what we ought to pray, but the Spirit himself will intercede for us. Thank you, Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, maybe there's some folks that, they came into the room this morning and the week has just been busy. There's been a lot of movement, there's been a lot of things, and in a lot of ways they just feel surrounded. Not exactly sure how they're going to work it out, and they've just been trying in their own strength. And just like me, they've been trying really hard, but it's the same rinse and repeat. Lord, we come to you with our burdens, and our cares, and our worries, and we get vulnerable to you this morning, God. And we say, here is our life. Here are our offenses that we've taken against our brothers and our sisters. Here are our frustrations that we have. Here are our disappointments. And God, we give them to you. We're getting vulnerable. We're getting honest with you and ourselves. And Jesus, we need you. So like the disciples, we look to you this morning and say, God, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray, Lord. For the man and the woman in here that have struggled for years and tried really hard and it's, it's been a struggle, Lord God, just teach us to pray there's no condemnation, there's no guilt, there's no shame, there's just your children coming to you saying, God, we wanna walk with you, we wanna talk with you, we wanna be with you, Jesus. We wanna have eyes to see, we wanna have ears to hear. Well, we hope this podcast has blessed you. In case you didn't know, we are in the middle of renovating a brand new facility right here in Brunswick County, North Carolina. So listen, two things. Please take a moment and pray for us. Also, if you'd like to give to the ministry, sign on to the website at mycoastalchurch.com giving. Hey, have a wonderful, wonderful day. Grace and peace.